The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn presents. There's often this assumption that you have to wait till life calms down to enjoy things, to achieve your personal goals, to even relax and and have some real fun. And I don't think that's the case. I think that even in the midst of the job craziness, the family craziness, everything that's going on, you can truly be looking forward to an average Tuesday. And that is what this book is about. Good morning, Next Big Idea Daily listeners. I'm Michael Kavanet, and we're going to have a great week this week. Why am I so confident? Because my guest this week is Laura Vanderkam, best-selling author, TED Talker, time management guru, and she's going to offer us a masterclass in planning and executing the perfect week, this week and all your future weeks. So today is Monday, and if you take a look at your calendar, I bet your work is probably already planned out for the week. You might have specific meetings or appointments on there. Maybe you have family obligations you plan to do. That's great. But what about all that empty space on your calendar, your so-called spare time? If you're like me, that time is pretty loosely organized, if at all. But when you think about it, your spare time accounts for the bulk of the week, the bulk of your life, really. And depending on how you feel about your nine to five, your spare time might just be the most precious and meaningful time you have. By being more thoughtful and organized about how we spend that time, Laura argues we can live lives that are much more memorable, intentional, and purpose-driven. But the first step, the first habit that we're going to work on this week, the cornerstone of the week, is getting enough sleep. According to Laura, it's not the number of hours you sleep so much as it is how you do it. So when it comes to sleep, I have found an interesting paradox. Reputable time diary studies find that, in general, people get enough sleep from a quantitative perspective. Yet many of us feel tired as we go about our daily lives. What seems to be happening is that people's sleep is quite disorderly. We sleep too little on some nights and then crash on others, a cycle that leaves us either exhausted or unable to maintain good routines. Far better to get the right amount of sleep every night. Since most adults have to wake at set times for work or family responsibilities, the only variable that can move is the time you go to bed. So, give yourself a bedtime. Figure out when you need to wake up. Figure out how much sleep you need. Count back and embrace that time as the end of the day. When the Tranquility by Tuesday project participants followed this rule, their energy levels rose significantly. A quarter more people said they were getting enough sleep to handle their responsibilities from the beginning of the project to the end. Now, yes, this advice isn't rocket science. But as one person told me, this was the least sexy but the most useful rule. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily podcast. Glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Your book, if I'm not mistaken, the way I'm thinking about it is 
you know, our work week is pretty scheduled and the, the way we do our work has a kind of a routine and a setup to it. But the rest of our time, what we call our spare time, we probably shouldn't even think of it as spare time. It's pretty important. Tends to kind of fall by the wayside, be a little sloppier, less organized. But the way I'm thinking of your book is you're trying to put some structure and some intentionality around those non-work hours. Is that right? There are plenty of downsides uh, to our work lives and, and you know, reasons that people might not be thrilled with Monday morning, but we tend to remember what we do at work. We tend to feel like the time is longer that we're at work, and much of that is because we have intentions for our time at work, and I think that there is a lot of extra life to be had by taking our leisure and our family time a little bit more seriously and treating with it with a bit more intention. And so many of my favorite time management rules have to do with treating this time with the respect it deserves. Your book is called Tranquility by Tuesday. I'm wondering why tranquility and why Tuesday? The Tuesday part is key. To me, Tuesday is the most normal day of the week, ah. right? You know, Mondays have their own baggage. Friday, thank goodness it's Friday. Weekends feel completely different. But Tuesday is the normal day, mm -hmm. which means that if you can upgrade your experience of life on an average Tuesday, you will have made a huge impact. You are changing your life in its everyday experience. As for tranquility, I mean, I'm going for this idea of serenity amid the chaos of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have a lot of stuff going on. Many of my readers are raising families in addition to building their careers. And there's often this assumption that you have to wait till life calms down to enjoy things, to achieve your personal goals, to even relax and, and have some real fun. And I don't think that's the case. I think that even in the midst of the job craziness, the family craziness, everything that's going on, you can truly be looking forward to an average Tuesday. And that is what this book is about. Now, you say that this book came out of your own experience as a parent and someone with a lot of responsibilities, but it's not just based on your experience, right? You did a Tranquility by Tuesday project. Could you tell me what that was and how it worked? So one of the things about writing self-help for busy people is that I really do not want to waste their time. Mm -hmm. So I recruited about 150 people to take part in what I call the Tranquility by Tuesday project. And at the beginning of nine weeks, I measured them on various dimensions of time satisfaction, recorded their time, you know, asked them various demographic questions. They would then learn a rule every week for nine weeks. And I am happy to report that people felt significantly more satisfied with their time at the end of the nine weeks than they did at the beginning. They particularly had huge jumps in how satisfied they were with their leisure time and on questions of things like, you know, not wasting time on things that they didn't care about. And, and these were all very busy people. I mean, the majority yeah. were working full time. The majority had kids at home. So it didn't really suggest that they had a ton of wasted time in the first place. Yeah. But even so, they saw pretty big leaps in their sense of satisfaction about this. So I was, I was heartened to see that. And many of their comments, uh, you know, about the challenges they faced and what they did to deal with those challenges, that, that makes up the bulk of the book. Okay, well, let's talk about the first big idea that you focus on, which is that you need a bedtime. And before we talk about the bedtime specifically, let's just talk about sleep for a moment. Why does sleep matter? <laughs> 
Well, it's foundational. I mean, everyone knows it's simply harder to make good decisions. It's harder to be in a good mood. It's harder to achieve your goals if you are sleep deprived. But the key thing here is I kind of, this is a slightly different approach than I think a lot of people are. They're just like, you need more sleep. And people are like, yes, everyone needs Mm. more sleep. If you track your time, most people who are not chronic insomniacs do in fact get enough sleep. Yeah, that's surprising. You bring that up in the book, and I think a lot of people assume that we're all a bit sleep deprived. Well, because you are some days, I see. <laughs> right? So what is happening is some nights you are skimping, some nights you are crashing. So you are not, in fact, not sleeping enough. It's just that it's disorderly. And so this idea of giving yourself a bedtime is about getting enough sleep, but getting the amount you need every single night, as opposed to skimping and then crashing. The word bedtime is something we often associate with children. And I think that's part of my struggle with this. I know that I should be doing this and I I do get enough sleep many nights, but I do struggle with consistency. And partly it is, there's this sense that adults stay up late, you know? And when you're a kid, the most exciting thing about being an adult you can imagine is, oh, they probably stay up all night. They don't have a bedtime, (laughs) you know? And there's something, as we grow up, we often resist that idea. And I I find that in myself, even now as a hopefully full-grown adult, I sit there and I know I should go to bed, but there's something in me that just wants to do one more thing or watch one more thing. And I feel like it can be hard to baby ourselves in that way, to treat ourselves as the children that sometimes we need to be treated like who need to go to bed on time, get in our PJs and hear a little bedtime story or whatever it takes. Do you think there is some psychological resistance to this bedtime idea from some people? I do. I think partly it's, you know, yeah, the the childhood rebel thing, like, no, no, you can't make me. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also just that what's often happening is if you're not careful about it, you can feel like you haven't gotten enough me time Mm. until the end of the day. And that is the time that you more have control over. You know, you've been doing stuff at work. You come home if you have family responsibilities, you know, your chores, whatever else. When that is all done, then you're like, okay, now I can have my time for myself. Who wants to stop that, right? Like, you don't want to keep going. It's like, oh, this is the good time. Like, you know, I'm I'm going to stay up late. Now, again, you don't actually get more time because your body will make that up somewhere else. But at the moment, it can feel good. You know, a lot of what I want people to do and many of the things I work with people to help them do is to figure out me time that isn't at 11 p.m. Because there are all sorts of ways you can change your schedule to do more of the good stuff while you are still awake. <laughs> and then and then come 11, you can go to bed and not have it be something where you're trading off free time, like good quality leisure time for sleep. You can have them both. Do you have any additional hints for how to make this a regular practice? Well, I think certainly setting a time before your bedtime where Mm. you start winding down, you know, finish all whatever you need to do, lock the house, start the dishwasher, whatever it is you have to do, getting in your PJs and brushing your teeth at that point. And then, you know, you can be in bed and, and often people are really excited if they get like time to read. Like if you complete all that, say, 45 minutes before lights out. It's almost like, woohoo, look at me. Like, I can sit here and read for 45 minutes like a a lady of leisure or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I think often having that kind of treat of getting into bed on time can be a really positive incentive toward making it happen. Okay, everyone, why not try it tonight? If you don't already have a bedtime, try giving yourself one this week. 
do the math to figure out when you want to be asleep, build in some buffer time, set a reminder, and then do it. Get your butt into bed, tuck yourself in, read yourself a bedtime story, whatever it takes. You might feel like a little kid, but that's okay. If you can, experiment with the habit this week and let us know how it goes. Then come back tomorrow rested and ready when Laura will explain how we can build big and small adventures into every week. Not only does her system promise to make your life more fun, it might actually help you live longer. If you'd like to hear that advice today, go ahead and download our Next Big Idea app. It's full of thousands of life hacks from big thinkers like Laura and Adam Grant, Susan Cain, Dan Pink, and hundreds of others. I'm Michael Kavnet. See you tomorrow.